Now Gina's, Gina's moves like it. She's been in the paper a bit. The word on the decline when they had that 22% rise was that multiple parties were trying to get off market very quickly a 19.9% stake in Delta. The, the requirement for Edomitsu to vote in accordance with the recommendation of the majority of the board. That means they're still on the market. They've got uh, a bit of history, some of the people within Delta to Gina. Righto, g'day, Money Miners, 15th of June, Thursday. And I'm in another position today. I'm trying out traps. Back on the desk, mate. I know, it's, uh, I'll take it whenever I, maybe I've got to give you rostered days off each week just yeah. so I can get a little chance on the desk. That's it, we'll swing through it, eh? Someone commented on the plant in the background, reckon it needs updating, but. Maybe a water. We'll persevere. Right, now today we're gonna to get, we're gonna do a bit of uh, lithium speculation, potential M&A, bit of um, word on the decline coming up. So Deals keep on coming, don't they? Yeah, Gina's getting in on it. Delta uh, definitely in the mix. Yeah, a few and names to mention there, but we've got a bit of news in the gold space to skim over first. Yes. What's we'll happening there, mate? We might, you never know, we might get a surprise phone call at some point. Um, now, first up to Gray. So they put out an updated mineral resource statement. So their, their Hemi mineral resource grew by a casual one million ounces, so they're up to nine and a half million ounces for the Hemi deposit. So their global measured and indicated resource is now eight point one million ounces. But remember, JD, it is refractory. Yeah, we learnt all about that. Hey, not quite as easy. You won't be we expecting did. those. Thank 95. you, Mr. Agricola, for hooking us up there. That was a beauty and a bit on the specky end. Your, your favourites, mate? I love a good specky. So What'd you say? Oh, I noticed old uh, Brightstar have commenced their 5,000 metre drill program at their Menzies Gold project. Don't mind the little Menzies area. Targeting extensions of previous high-grade intercepts. That's a, a great strategy from Alex Vera, targeting high-grade. Great thinking. How do, how do you reckon he come up with that one? Genius, eh? Mate, you are Game unreal, Alex. That is brilliant, mate. Look forward to hearing the results. Hastings, J.D.? No, bit so of, no actual news here, but a lot of they are cropping it lately, aren't they? Very much so. So well, they're, they're down 10% today and they well, they put out that staged approach, stage one, stage two approach to how they're going to yeah. go into production. And that was on the back of a cost blowout, you know. It wasn't just a, yeah. a choice they made willy-nilly. They had a – I think it was a 40% rise in the in the cost of what the project was going to cost them. So they've gone with that process uh, – that sort of method of – Doing the first bit, getting some cash in the door, and then using that cash to build out an expansion, right? And well, since that announcement, they are down forty-one percent. Jesus, and continuing to <coughs> to decline. So yeah, one to watch there. No news, but still downward pressure. Right, JD, JD, and onto Gina. Yeah, so. I'm not sure we've actually spoken about Gina all that much since we definitely not in the uh, lithium space yet. This seems yeah. to be a, a new thing, but this, um, I guess, this Gina news has a lot of links to yeah. a lot of other bits of news, and we're going to try and tie it all together, right? JD, give us the um, give us the initial scope of what's what's out today. Yeah, so it was a bit of a surprise to us, right? But it it really shouldn't be if you, I mean, they're they're sort of smaller players, but if you read the announcements. You have Legacy Iron Ore, Hawthorne Resources, and of course uh, the the company that Gina runs through Hancock, her privately held business. 
So they're all involved in this and they've actually had a bit of a JV. They've been working together for some time now, but that was previously only on magnetite, so iron ore, what yeah. they're working on. So the, the kicker today is that this now involves critical minerals. So we're talking lithium and obviously hoping if they can get any nickel or copper, anything like that on that Mount Ida corridor, which explains why we're going to talk about Delta as well, doesn't it? Exactly. So this tenement we're talking about, this Mount Bevan, it's uh, butts up against Mount Ida. Yeah. So for those wondering, we'll chuck up a map on the YouTube, but this is roughly 100 or so kilometres west of Leonora. So almost in the middle of in the middle of WA, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. So okay, let's let's go over the parties involved. Who's who's got what? So I guess you said there's this Mount Bevan JV. So this gene has gone into a JV with um, Hawthorne and Legacy Iron Ore. So yeah. via Hancock. So Hancock's, as you said, Gene has privately held iron ore business. Yeah, and to give people a bit of scope on these, Legacy. Last time we checked, Legacy Iron Ore were capped at roughly 130 million. Hawthorne Resources capped at roughly 40. And they've both had pretty good days, haven't they? Yeah, so they're up 20, 21%. So you've got Legacy, Legacy Iron Ore. So they're backed by NMDC. Yeah, and we'll talk about them later. So Mm. they are in Indian Public Enterprise, who's the biggest producer of iron ore in India and essentially a a, a sort of steel maker. Yeah, okay, and this will all tie into this, what the lithium thematic's doing globally yeah, as the, well. Yeah, and the geopolitics, which we'll, which we'll uh, touch on later. So then you've got Delta Lithium. They're up 15% today. Um, considering this deal, they had a deal done yesterday. So they're capped at $340 million. So, look, we did talk about them yesterday. They had a big investment from a Japanese group, uh, uh, what I think what Flano referred to as a wicked deal. A wicked deal. A wicked I think that was deal. The, the official terminology. And we'll get right into that more so later. But that was at a uh, they bought fifteen percent out of seven and a half premium. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll unpack that later. And just worth mentioning as well that they've got uh, a bit of history. Some of the people within Delta to Gina, don't they? Well, didn't what you you're more up on it? So Flano. David Flanagan Sold ran. Iron too, yeah, he ran for a long yeah. time Atlas Iron, which is now a subsidiary of Gina's business. Yeah. So there's a there's a relationship there as well. Okay. So and then here's another one to throw in the mix, possibly, and we'll, we'll link it up later. But Voltaic Strategic Resources. So they've had a real. Uh, so they're up 360 percent since the end of April because they've we, hit. So they've hit 58 and 50 meters of pegmatites waiting on assays. And their project is adjacent to the Delta Lithium's Yinathara project. So the Yinathara is the the lot lot thicker than Mount Ida, but lower grade. So and it's a, it's a bit further north, isn't it? Yeah, from the Mount Ida project. Yeah, but it definitely brings in that. There's another lithium play there, and this kind of all I guess tie back into yeah. what is Gina up to? Yeah. So we touched here. on on Voltaic uh, probably a month or two ago when when they had those sort of exciting results, and then they went your usual straight into a capital raising and. Mm. Yeah, regardless, it's exciting to see what they come out with those assays in, in a couple of weeks' time. We're well, thinking. I think I think it's been – maybe it's because you were in Africa, JD. Lithium seemed to, like, go off the pedal a bit. It just feels like 
with these couple of announcements, the uh, the interest certainly is coming back. It's getting yeah, a, bit of a spike, I think. That's all they know you back, it? mate. They just needed you back in the country. <laughs> we told them to keep it on hold, didn't we? So oh, very much. Get right. into it. So, jeez, oh, I'm liking this side. It's bloody good. Yeah, <laughs> a lot more eye bloody, contact, eh? Yeah, very much so. Right, let's go into the deal, JD. So the the hand, let's start with the Hancock deal. Yeah, we'll, we'll further expand on Delta's one from yesterday. So the Hancock deal, right? It's an earning. It's a JV. And you can probably go into uh, the weeds about it and explain how this JV works. Take it away, Cobbler. Mount Bevan. Yeah, so we've got the the tenements there held between Hawthorne as well as the the other party, Legacy Iron Ore. And similar to their Magnetite deal, they're joint venturing in. So the, the headline number is that they're going to pay $4 million at least up front. And then it's sort of staged as they have certain spend commitments. So they'll spend a certain amount, you know, four million to start with, then another five, then another seven. And each of those spending packages, if they're done within a certain time, yep. gives them another certain percentage of the uh, the comprised land. So there's a, a final uh, payment as well that won't get them any additional percentage of the the final business, but another ten million at the end if they come out with a five million ton. Uh, resource at 1.2%, which isn't isn't too unreasonable, is it? No, well, that's what Mount Ida is. So Mount Ida is 1.2% from memory. So is it 14, 13 million tonne, something like that, 1.2%. So yeah, and I think Essential, who we'll, we'll touch on later, we've spoken about in the past, I think they had 13 or 40 million tonnes at a similar sort of grade. Yeah. So, so the, I guess the earn in there, so if Gina spends 5 million on expiration within 12 months, she gets 7.5%. If she spends, then spends $7 million bucks on drilling within 12 months, gets another 20%. And then to de- deliver a PFS after all the, the drilling and expiration within 18 months, that's going to cost around at least $10 million. She'll get an extra 16%. And that'll take her up to f- take Hancock up to 51% of that JV. Yep. And so then to round that out, Legacy Iron will have uh, a bit over 29%. And Hawthorne will have a bit under 20% to, to round off what the final ownership looks like. So, and as we said, Mount Ida, this Mount Bevan sits along this Mount Ida fault. Looks like the tenements, as we've seen, abut next to each other. The Mount Delta's Mount Ida and Mount Bevan right next to each other up that lithium corridor corridor there. So now let's have a chat. Let's have a chat about Delta JD. So look from yesterday. They like their share price went up to sort of where that pre because they raised at a seven and a half percent premium that fifteen percent shares they issued yeah so they got to that price now they're up another twelve percent today so you could um, I guess we're going along the lines that this is due to this possible link yeah with and Gina. prior to that they'd had a, a good little run up as well on the sort of suspicions that people were were buying there's a bit of word on the decline wasn't there well I think what was it twenty. Oh, end of May. Yeah, they kicked up quite a bit and end there was there was rumours that there was parties circling wanting to sort of buy, you know, what you call a, a blocking stake in the business. Yeah, I think I'm just trying to find the bloody date. But it was the end of May they saw it. They went up yeah. 22% in one day. So Yeah, I think it was the, the 19th of May looking back at the yeah. chart that they had that huge rise on. Now let's unpack this this deal they did. So like you said, it was done at roughly 7.5% premium. They issued 15% of their shares on issue, which is the max you can do without yep. having to call in a shareholder vote. And this has all gone to Aida Mitsu, which is a subsidiary of the, the huge Japanese petroleum 
an energy business. So you kind of expect or suspect that they've got relationships with, you know, car makers and the likes back in Japan. So it makes it a sort of strategic deal. And also the, the shares will be tied up for 18 months, so voluntary escrow. And there was another kicker in there as well. Well, this was – and this was pointed out to us by Mr. Dalio, which was uh, – thanks for calling in, Mr. Dalio. You shall remain anonymous. Now, and this goes into how the uh, – I guess what this 15% take means in terms of control. So you can see in the in the announcement, investment agreement and change of control undertaking in the second line, the, the requirement for Edomitsu to vote in accordance with the recommendation – of the majority of the board. So that that means that it, strategically they're still they're they're still on the market delta like they're not this isn't a blocking stake and I guess we'll go why and we'll use probably use minres and essential metals as as an example. So if you look if you look at that situation minres held 19.55% of essential metals and IGO Tianchi put a takeover offer in um Minres acquired the shares after that. I think it was in the 11th hour. I think they acquired them on a couple a of days before. Yeah. yeah. So then they acquired this 19.55% and then voted against the takeover deal, which, um, and that deal needed 75% approval to get yeah. over the line. So it's all, it's all gone a bit quiet on that front. We're not quite sure what the plans are, but it just goes to show your point that if you have, you know, more than 10% stake, in that case, it was 19.55. Yep. In this case, 15%. And in this case, they're going to be voting along the lines of whatever the board wants. They can, you know, block a deal, the board that is, can block a potential deal or they can, you know, put a bit of sway behind a potential deal. But then I guess the Minrez's position in Essential pretty much took them off the market for other offers because they're like, well, Minrez are going to vote against it anyway. So that takes the opportunity away to get more takeover offers. Whereas in this situation, because Itamitsu vote with the board, they're both act as a blocking stake if if the board want to vote against an offer or they're still open for business for someone else to come in and offer. And as I said, linking back to the, the word on the decline when they had that 22% rise was that multiple parties were trying to get a off-market very quickly a 19.9% stake in Delta. Yeah, so it gives so. quite a bit of power to, to David Flanagan and the the board and the team there. So it's little wonder he was quoted as saying it was a wicked deal that's virtually unprecedented. Wicked deal. Right, JD, let's get into the lithium market and then we're going to talk finish off with uh, what we think Gene is up to here. Yeah, so, so. I think this is, this is really interesting. We'll have a good chat about what's going on in the lithium market. So a, a bit of history, you know, we saw this huge rise in 1718 then the lithium prices cooled off as people realised, you know, this EV revolution is still years away. And then the sort of mania we saw late 20, throughout 2021 and then carrying on into 2022, the lithium price just went bananas again. And we saw this with the, the margin that the companies who were lucky enough to be in production and lucky enough to, or, you know, smart enough to survive the downturn, were just making bumper profits, just crazy profits. The margins were insane. Just look at Pilbara for an example of that. And but then you look at the other end, as you said, core, core lithium probably don't have as good of a deposit, but they still yeah and made big I, money off that yeah and beyond beyond the money they're making the the valuation and the the premium the multiple yeah. that the market is ascribing is just phenomenal. So the uh, the the lithium price has cooled off since then. So late twenty twenty two we saw it cool off and into twenty three, and now it's, it's sort of steadied a bit. So. 
I think it's worth remembering that lithium isn't priced like gold, like nickel or copper. It's not just one big liquid market. You can think of it more similar to perhaps like a uranium where there's long-term deals, there's off-take agreements, there's battery makers and auto you know, manufacturers who are going into long-term arrangements with these mining companies and so, often in case providing finance up front. So it's, they'll pay what they think it's worth considering everything else that's in the deal. Yeah, so there's, there's a number of factors and it's just not a big liquid market being priced on a daily sort of basis. That's why it's so hard just Googling what the bloody lithium price is. Yeah. Yet, yet so many different outcomes. Not only that, but you've got, you know, lithium carbonate, lithium hydroxide, you've got your spodumene, different percentage grades. There's, yeah. there's lots of different prices as well. So getting into what really drives the lithium price, you've obviously got China. So almost all the lithium in the world goes to China. It's processed there, whether that's, you know, a carbonate hydroxide or being converted in China, it's all driven. And it's little wonder that's happening because that's where the majority of batteries are manufactured and where the vast majority of cars are built as well. So this one's really stood out to us, hasn't it, Matty? Because the Chinese aren't really involved so much in this deal, are they? No. Well, it appears like, as I said, you've got the Japanese investment into Delta, but then you've got the, the Indian, Indian alignment, the Indian connection on yeah. the Gina side. So, and probably probably speaks to where Japan, India and like Europe as well are in terms of like there's a there's a rush for all of these manufacturers to secure supply. So yeah. I think can we infer or I guess we've been also uh, someone else's point of view was that they're behind the eight ball. So yeah, they're so scrambling you can, for scrambling to secure supply of this lithium material. Yeah, so you've you've got the major automakers around the world and like we said, a lot of them are in China, but, you know, Toyota, there's a number of other Asian countries that uh, are big producers of cars and they've had a bit of a different strategy for a while. So Toyota is an example. They were huge. You know, they've been producing hybrid vehicles for over 20 years, you know, yeah. and they were also huge on hydrogen. The Japanese in general, they were, uh, they were providing energy for a lot of their public transport, the buses around the cities through hydrogen. And Toyota, just in the last couple of days, we've seen they're having a bit of a change in tech, you know. They're now going to go hard into, you know, what we think of more electric vehicles. So that's going to involve a lot of lithium and other, you know, components that are used in these batteries. And that's going to involve, like we said, the the need for offtake agreements. They're going to need to secure that supply. So I think companies in India also need to do this. And to perhaps a lesser extent, companies like Volkswagen, they're not completely set in this either so we're going to see a bit of bit of action there yeah so i guess china um sorry japan and india look like they're going to start getting involved in this m&a side of things yeah and it's, it's interesting india you mentioned there we've seen a lot of you know relationship building we've seen anthony albanese our uh, our prime prime minister meeting with narendra modi the the prime minister of india also gina meeting with him just in the last week or so so that's quite a Telling sign, obviously, legacy iron ore have that um, that relationship with India as well, and then yeah, Japan, like we touched on. So, I think I think there's still a bit of uncertainty about what this long term lithium price is going to do, isn't it? Because yeah. primarily, all the lithium coming out of China that's being produced, not the stuff that's being processed, the stuff that's being produced is coming from the lapidolite sources which yeah. were the point of conjecture i think was it a year and a bit ago probably god it's probably two years ago when you know goldman's 
uh, Goldman's had the very low price. Yeah, the real bearish outlook. And then you had Morgan's on the other end of the spectrum. I think they were about 85% different what their long-term outlook for. And this was a lot of it was dependent on this lipidolite coming yeah. out of China, which is a lot harder to process. And also uh, a lot harder, uh, more expensive and, uh, you know, more fossil fuels are used in that. So it's not as environmentally friendly, which in in a sense kind of defeats the purpose in building an electric vehicle. So completely agree with what you said. A lot of analysts just have different views on where the lithium price is going from here. And it's, it's worth mentioning that these commodities, they're really priced at that, that marginal cost of the producer. So kind of where you see demand meeting supply. And it's, it's kind of hard to imagine that that's not lower than where it is today, where the price is today, because we just have to mention again, the, the margins that some of these companies were making, it was huge. You know, your, your Pilbara's and the like were making lots and lots of money and now they're potentially going on M&A sprees. And it makes me also think of a presentation we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. So we spoke about BHB and Mike Henry giving a, a talk at the Bank of America conference in Barcelona, I think three or four weeks ago. And what really stood out to us at the time was that he said the the cost curve isn't steep enough. So implying there's a lot of uh, lithium projects out there and they're not going to be that differentiated. So it was, from his point of view, harder to build a competitive advantage in the lithium business because you just can't get a large-scale, you know, phenomenally cheaper asset. So that was super interesting and, and stood out to us. Yeah, and they BHB don't operate under uncertainty really, do they? They try. They must, to. Be, they must be certain over copper because they're going all in on that. Yeah, um, they've, they've sort of picked their commodities and lithium's just not one of them, unlike yeah. what we're seeing today. Now, Gina's, Gina's moves lately. She's been in the paper a bit. She's, uh, you know, I don't know if it's trying to change the image after the whole netball saga or something, but um, <laughs> <laughs> what um, – it's she's it appears to be making a bit of a a bit of a push. So whether like a lot of these news articles and stuff were a bit of a precursor to a bit of uh, M and A activity. To yeah, these are they're sort of issues we'll have to deal with down the track, Maddie. When we've got you know thirty billion bucks in the bank, but oh, how the no. public how the public perceives you is a world we don't quite operate in at the moment. But you're dead right, and it's not by accident that she's been in the media lately. We read the a week or two ago in the West there was a magazine titled the 100, uh, I think 100 Aussies who helped shape Western Australia. And she was, of course, in there. Her father was in there. But on every other page, there was a sponsorship from Roy Hill (laughs) from Hancock Prospecting. You know, (laughs) the the headline was Roy Hill uh, presents the 100 most influential WA people over the you know over our history look it's good to see the west australian is sticking to their um good ethical brand there (laughs) (laughs) you're dead right and on top of that she was also awarded the what was it the west australian of the year oh yeah yeah so just a a couple weeks ago west australian of the year and who would you pick ahead of her oh that's a tough one eh? i mean there's there's a lot of people in a lot of different fields it doesn't have to be a business person it can there's so many people doing doing a good job at whatever they're doing out there so i don't imagine, know how imagine if uh Raul consolidates lean or jay be in the running you reckon <laughs> well i wonder if it had to do with how much tax she pays from the the gargantuan profits she's making <laughs> up there but we'll see i think the overall overall thing with uh gina that if you if you there's all the paper and paper and WA year, all that. It's all a bit of smoke and mirrors, I think, JD. But uh, the overarching thing is that, as we mentioned before, word on the decline, she wants to start a lithium business. 
So she is dipping a toe in. You've got Min Rez. Min Rez are well into it. Yep. So Chris Chris Ellison, or well, probably Andrew Forrest and Chris Ellison, they're Gina's biggest competitors in the mining industry for uh, who's got the most cash as individuals. So I think she is, from what I hear, she's wanting to dip her toe significantly into lithium. So yeah, she's, she's not short of a buck, but it's interesting where she's come in. She's come in really early stage. You know, exploration really is where she's come in and you look at the likes of the players in, in WA, you know, Lion Town, what, what's their cap almost six billion bucks now like even for her that's that's a lot of money and they've already pushed back three deals so whether it's a you know a smaller bite by you know consolidating the area in which the the mount ida project is we'll sort of have to keep our eyes peeled well i found the the interesting thing in it wasn't on the hawthorne uh announcement or, or it was in that announcement where they said was it Hawthorne gets seventy five the right to purchase seventy five percent of the product? Uh, I think you're. I think you're right. I think it was Legacy. Iron Leg- or- I think it was a Legacy. So Legacy, it said Legacy Iron have the right to purchase seventy five percent of the product. Yeah, of the end product. Now I think Hawthorne then in turn got right to buy another ten percent, and the remaining fifteen would go to Hancock. Now we need to explore a bit more into that one because obviously lithium is a product where there could be a lot of value dependent on the the level of end product you get to whether you're producing a you know spodumene product or whether because that's what the team at delta are looking to do and get into production by next year or whether they're going downstream a bit more and sort of trying to identify where that value will ascribe to and what legacy are trying to achieve with this well i think and i think the down and the biggest the biggest issue with going downstream usually is capital so like yeah. That's why, like, even even Lion Town, as big as it is, it's still doing a study to do the downstream component. It hasn't been yet approved, but yeah, capital as well as um, technical ability. It's yeah. it's not easy. It's a it's a real chemical sort of process, and none of the guys have really done it in in Australia. That's why you know you're seeing issues, like you said, capital issues building the things as well. And then it's why we've kind of seen some M and A, like the Live and All Chem deal that we saw, trying to bring the Two skill sets: the mining skills get skill set together with the chemical processing yeah. skill set to you know build a more rounded mining and chemicals business. Well, I know uh, if you're looking for capital to go any, if there's any way to go downstream in Australia, it has to usually, and with Australian investment, it has to usually involve someone like Gina or or Chris Ellison, deep or, pockets, or tw- eh? for, Twiggy Forest, like people with deep deep pockets that can. You know, wear the brunt of it initially, but you look at how much you lose off the bottom line, especially exporting a DSO. Yeah. Like how much they'd be losing, whereas the margin, long term margin, they'd get out of having a downstream processing facility. Look, this is um, spitballing, but that that was that condition being in there was very forward looking. Yeah. About the seventy five percent that Legacy could purchase. So whether whether Legacy then becomes um, the processing arm of Hancock or they. Uh, Hancock per, uh, take over legacy to yeah. yeah who knows but that's um that definitely I don't think it was in there by accident no not at all we've definitely got to do an episode on everything that's going on downstream and all the chatter we're hearing about you know WA going to produce batteries there's a lot to unpack there so we're going to get to that one well yeah and as you said Jane is getting in early um yeah very early development this is exploration there's obviously obviously Mount Ida are very close to the direct shipping point. Yep. but it's still it's still a bit off, you know, full nameplate production and everything. But 
Yeah, obviously Line Town are the closest one, but is <laughs> is Gina going to go pay six odd billion to take over Line Town or something like that? That's pretty. That's pretty far fetched, especially with Albemarle already in the door. But yep. it's um yeah, a bit to watch. A bit to watch. This is sort of is this been the first bit where Gina sort of looked to dip the toe into lithium? I think it is. You know and. Like we sort of touched on at the beginning of the episode, it shouldn't be a complete surprise. They've been speaking about this for, for a number of months now. They'd even mentioned it last year yep. in some of the announcements from from Hawthorne and from Legacy Iron Ore that they're looking to create a, a venture that's going to go after these critical minerals. So, And and looking at the appreciation in Delta's share price, I think it's, God, 70-odd percent. I've got it written up here. Yeah, I think you're dead right, 70-odd percent over 70, the past month or so. Yeah, 70-odd percent in the last couple since in April or something so yeah well the last player in this I reckon JD that might start coming in the news as we said Voltake Strategic Resources VSR so they've they're awaiting assays at their well what's that one called T T tree Ti tree project Ti tree I'm going with T tree T tree project and which is adjacent to next to Yinathara which is Delta's prospect so they've hit I think it was 58 and 50 meters worth of spodumene from the surface uh waiting on assays obviously Yinathara is the lower grade is lower grade than Mount Ida but a lot thicker seems to be a lot more a lot bigger scale but look is this they've gone up you know 300 percent 370 percent I think yeah from a pretty low base so yeah eyes peeled and that's sometimes what it takes you know something exciting whether it's this deal whether it's exploration results to just breathe a bit of life back into it hey yeah so we're this deal, well, I guess we've talked about today is around that Mount Ida area and the interaction there between Gina and potentially Delta. But then just remember you've got they've got the Yinathara as well. You've got Voltake next to there. So if someone like Gina is looking to dip a toe into lithium and uh, starts with someone like Delta, um, we've seen as we've heard with her, there's a lot of interest in. You can see by the share price movement on, on no news. Yeah. Um, you can see there's a potential play beyond that as well. So yeah, we'll wait and see, Cobber. And uh, we might have, let's just not confirm anything until it's sealed and delivered. There's very busy, these people are very busy, but we might have... A bit of a treat for the money miners. We hey? might have a treat for the money miners and a lot of this information we're discussing today could come from the horse's mouth tomorrow. Love it. Stay hey. tuned, money miners. Hooteroo. Hooteroo. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.